Basically, I've been doing this about 18 years, and I've never deviated from the topic. It's amazing, eh? I got one note player. I just strum one note, and that's it. About 12,000 variations on the one note. So to me, AA located me, at least in the vicinity of the problem. It was amazing to me, because when I got into AA, it was like I had been on a ball and I had, nowhere, had no idea where I was, and then they gave me a reference point, which is you're an alcoholic. And then from seeing that, I could tell, it, my life started making sense in, in its insane way, why it had turned out the way it had. Yeah? But I found over the years that maybe you could add on to that solution, which is the root of the problem was obsession with self. I discovered in my own experience with practicing AA and hearing messages outside of AA that maybe, just maybe, it could be deeper than that, or let's just say farther back. It could be identification as self. Now, that sounds, you may not know what that means, but my feeling of it is, is the idea of being a self is really a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, basically coming out of the body. You seem to be living out of the body, yes? This is, this is your interface to life. Everything seems to happen to it, and then your thoughts and everything come from it, supposedly. But I'm saying that that feeling of being the body may not be correct. Yeah. And so if you're identified as a body, then when you, pres- when you start looking into spirituality, you always have to be looking at it as if it's a topic or an object to that body. Yeah? So the truth becomes an object to you as the primary truth. This is the real truth. This is what I am. And this, as what I am, maybe, just maybe, wants to get spiritual. Yeah? Because it's tried everything else, and everything else hasn't worked. So let's try some spirituality. Let's see if that gives me an advantage I haven't gotten from everything else. So we once again start looking at, at truth as an object for me to achieve or to attain to make me as this better. Yeah? What I'm just saying is maybe this isn't the truth. You may not be this. You may actually be what you now are seeking. You actually may be spirit that's seeking spirituality. Now, to a body and to someone that believes they're this, spirituality may be a very noble endeavor to become. Because, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give up these desires and this craziness, and I'm going to try to live a spiritual life. And it said, all right, so well, what do we do? We try to graft spirituality onto this. So I start practicing programs or meditation, and it's like I'm trying to graft some spirituality into my primary identification, which is this. Sounds well and good, and maybe you can become spiritual, or maybe get some spiritual spirituality. But the real problem is why I found it doesn't work is that you are spirit trying to get spiritual. Yeah? You're not a body and a head and a narrative of a head trying to get spiritual. That could help them. That could help this. If this got a little spiritual, it would be helpful to it. But when you are spirit, to try to become spiritual is pointless, in a sense. Because when all your effort to become spiritual is used to deny your nature, which is spirit. Yeah? So you think you're working towards a goal, but in fact you're actually working against the goal. Because... Every time you work towards becoming spiritual, you're actually affirming that you're not. 
this is just trying to short-circuit that whole dilemma, because I see it as a huge dilemma, and go right to the fact that maybe you are spiritual. Yeah. What happens, if that's the starting point, your whole trip may look different. You may not need to take everything you think you need, like scriptures and, you know, a set of whites and oil, petroleum oil and incense and beads and everything like that. You may like them, and you may not have to get pictures of saints or buy tickets to the Himalayas. You may just be able to access it right as you are right now, but not as you think you are. As you think you are, you need to be spiritual. <laughs> because you're in, a, you're in a fucked up dilemma. Things aren't working, and if your last house of the block is a spiritual house, you're going to try to you know, get an advantage by going there. So you, as a self, definitely need spirit, for sure. Yeah? But what you are is spiritual. The difference is huge. Because if you believe you need spirit, then it seems like if I do and have the right thing, I'll get to be spiritual. Yeah? That's what people attempt to do. They now start meditating and they start doing all these practices with the hopes that those practices will make me spiritual. Could you imagine if you entertained that you were spirit already, and if you were doing those same practices, the experience of those practices would be totally different. They weren't they wouldn't be a, a, a ways to an end, they'd be a way to express the end. Yes? In other words, you'd be in the end already, and you'd be expressing that spiritual condition instead of trying to get a spiritual condition, which is always affirming that you're not a spiritual condition. If you're trying to get something, obviously it affirms you don't have it, right? Obviously. If you're busy trying to get spiritual, there's an affirmation in all that activity that you're not it. That, to me, is, is how it defeats you immediately. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you do 8,000 steps on a spiritual path or two steps on a spiritual path. All those steps done from that point of view are, gonna, are, failing, are failing you. Yeah? They have to because you're just moving away from the truth, in a sense. You can't move away from the truth, but as a self, you think you can. So as this, you think you can do yourself out of the truth. Yeah? Because you believe you can do yourself into the truth. But if you are the truth, all that game is out the window. And then you have to respond to the immediacy of your nature, which is you're awake. It's not Paul, who has never been awake, who has been very infrequently awake, is now going to do all these practices to be awake. No. It's so much more immediate that than that it's you're awake. That's what you're confronted with. It's not like you're confronted with, oh, I'm going to have this arduous path to become awake. You're actually confronted with the goal of that path before you even start. The goal confronts you because you are awake. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> Hopefully you'll respond to that ability because it's available. You will have that ability to respond to your own nature, obviously. You are that nature. So you can respond from that nature. But you don't believe so because you're identified with what you're, what you're not. That's the simple fact. That's why I believe that's the root of the problem. It's just a misidentification that puts you in the game board at a different square than you're at. Yeah. So you're starting the whole Monopoly game at a different square. So your, your whole strategy is, what am I going to do starting from Baltic Place? But you're in the boardwalk, actually. Yeah? You have tons of hotels. You have tons of cash. 
but you're living as if you're in the Baltic's place. You got no, no one's going to want to live here. I go, only have one house on it, and everything like that. So, of course, if you think you're in Baltic place, you're going to be afraid about that game, aren't you? If you're on boardwalk, you have a little more confidence about that game. So if you realize that you're not what is driving you crazy, there's the freedom from it. If you keep identifying with what's driving you crazy, then your only recourse is to get therapy, do a lot of work, hopefully get it socialized enough so it doesn't ruin your next picnic you go on or your next date or you don't blow your opportunity for love from that special other because you're totally jealous or all that stuff. So you're hoping... Hey, at least can I, maybe I can go back to school. Woo! I mean, school is great, but it's, it's, let's raise the success bar, you know. Oh, I can go back to school. My life is fantastic. No, you know, like to me when I was using, after a few years of using, my idea of success was not to be arrested. I mean, come on, raise the bar a little bit. I'm doing really well. I haven't been in jail for a week. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. You're really shooting high, Paul. <laughs> Not getting arrested is your whole life for purpose. You know? So there's the thing. So if it is identification as self, and the self is primarily identification as a body, it's very difficult for a body to, to entertain its spiritual. It really is, because the body sort of overrides that entertaining. Yeah? When you're entertaining that you're spiritual, you'll be entertaining it as if you're a body that's spiritual. If you're entertaining that, that you're a body that's becoming spiritual, then you're entertaining that you have to do and have something to get that entertainment. If you are the spirit, yes, there's none of that goes on. Then, let's say a practice of doing and having becomes a form of expressing the truth. Yeah? Instead of you're not doing something to get the truth, but whatever you're doing is expressing the truth. So in AA we have samples where we do service. So you do a service... Let's say you come in AA and you're basically up the ass of self. You know, obviously, you're out cold. You're living a total interpretation. You don't even know how you feel, really. <laughs> it's incredible. You're in this body for so long and you can't even you can't even recognize sadness and anger. It's mind-boggling. And then we're thinking, we're, I got it going on. You don't have. You can't even shit when you want to, really. Yeah. You're not pumping your heart, are you? You're not moving the blood. Are you digesting that burrito you had tonight? If it was up to you, you'd have like a three-year-old burrito probably there. You would have forgotten to digest it and it would be in here somewhere. i got to get back to that burrito. It's getting a little rancid in there. No, we're not doing any of this. This thing's running totally, almost all of it automatically. Yeah? We're sort of like a witness to it. But we become identified with the machinery, thinking we're the machinery. And we have this real nasty little false program. We think we're the chooser and the mover and shaker. And yet we can't even chip when we want to. <laughs> it's really a pretty big leap when you look at the evidence of your own body to, to assume that you're the mover and shaker of all things that I can cause someone to be totally unhappy yet I can't take a shit when I want to I mean you're starting to sort of usurp some power that you don't actually have you know? it's sort of like get right size get a little humility and see where you actually stand on the game board you know? so so the identification the identification as this self Immediately, being this form, it's very difficult for me to entertain that I'm formless at the same time. Like Jesus, I think, what well, he supposedly said, that you can't serve two masters at the same time. So if you're the serving the master of form by believing you're this body, it's very difficult to be entertaining the master of formlessness at the same time. 
It's impossible, really. And if you're identified as this, you'll always go to worship formlessness as form, and that's not it. The worship of formlessness is realizing you're formless, realizing you're spirit, yeah? That's the true worship of it, living it. Not, you know, bowing down an hour as a body to a spirit, but living as a spirit amongst the bodies, yeah? That, to me, is the real worship here. So, in AA, we do those, we have service. So, come in here and someone says, hey, you know, you've got five days, help the newcomer who has one day. So, like, a guy called me up last night, and he was flipping out, and he has a lot of knowledge, which is his cross, actually. <laughs> had all this spiritual knowledge about the fundamental f- facets of all the illusion, yet he's bummed out totally. <laughs> so, he's yapping and yapping, and I finally said, why don't you just go help somebody? You know what I mean? Seriously, this is like the fifth time in a m- two months you've called me pontificating about the oneness of all things and you, you're totally bummed out about something. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The whole point about this truth is that it, ex- it translates into a traveling lighter. If it's not translating into a traveling lighter, it's just another intellectual property. It's just actually adding more weight to the bondage of self. The point is, is economizing, not getting bigger in, with weight, but actually getting lighter, yeah? so that you can respond to the moment, because it's incredibly fluid, and it's going to change rapidly. Yeah? So, I do, so someone says, do some service, help that new guy. So, let's say I'm sitting in a meeting. I, this used to happen to me. I had a Friday night secretary ship, very high profile, 8 o'clock Friday night, San Francisco, Woo! Marina, you know, Fort Mason, something. Crime, crime. I could start having all my little agendas being expressed. So there's some beautiful women there. So I have a little plan. After the meeting, I'm going to beeline right over to her and, uh, you know, start talking to her. So I had that little agenda. And after the meeting, some newcomer would come and divert my drive. And I'd just say, okay. And I, I just responded to AA. And I said, yeah, what's happening? And then we went out and had coffee. And there goes my fairy princess. I never, I never saw her again. But what happened is, when I hung out with the dude, I felt what I was hoping she would make me feel like. I felt that lightness that I was thinking she would bring me. I mean, she may have, but you know what I mean? I had given, <laughs> I, I had given her a meaning, yeah? but I was, what that meaning was uh, representing was actually being given to me, helping this dude. Yeah. So I got, did some service, as we say in AA, and I felt, what? Available to someone other than me. That's what happens, really. When you make yourself available to someone other than you, you actually get freed up by, of being that you. That's how it works. So I just made myself available, and I sensed it, and then I sensed the presence. That's what happens. So I do service, I feel available to others, and I sense a presence of what is available and obvious when you're not obsessed with selfing. Yeah? When that activity isn't going on, there's things you'll bump into in the moment. And one of them is presence. You'll sense something other than your stream up here. Yeah? You will, after a while. And so, okay, so I would do that. Then I would obviously forget and go back into my self-centeredness, and then I'd have to do service again. And then I'd have an experience of being available, and it was a pretty sound, it delivered the goods almost every time. Very sound principle. When I would make myself unavailable, as I'd get out of myself, I'd feel better. This would work over and over and over again. So after a while, all right, so I do the service, feel available, sense the presence. One time it shifted, and I realized I was the presence. Yeah? 
The belief was I was Paul, this body, who needed to become spiritual, and I was doing and having service to get a hit of spirituality, but only to have it as an experience to me, Paul. Yeah? And this is a collector of experiences. That's what it does. So now it started collecting spiritual experiences, and it started to have an identification as being a spiritual Paul, where before it was the addict Paul, yeah, or the alcoholic Paul. Now it was getting shinier and brighter, and, and hey, I'm, and I'm meditating, and I'm starting to have a nice spiritual resume, and I was just slipping from that coarse glove of alcoholism to a more like Swedish type of glove, <laughs> spiritual piousness, yeah, righteousness. Yeah, it was a very nice little transformation. It felt better, you know, had like little like cow leather inside or something. It was nice, instead of the other one. Broken glass and everything. You know, this one felt good. Yeah, I think I can sell this to people. Maybe I'll get what I want. Yeah, hey, babe, see this. Come over here. Yeah, yeah. I've got years of sobriety. Let me help you. So there was this identification. So the identification. See, first of all, the identification never stops. Whatever horse you get off and hop on the new one, the identification is seamless at times. You'll just become identified as that selfie. Yeah. The selfing can wear 8,000 uniforms, but the, the act of identifying is the same. You'll be bonded to self. It'll be maybe a, be a brighter self, maybe instead of a San Quentin self, it may be a Pacific Heights self, but it'll still be a self, yes? So there's this bonding agent, which is the act of being identified. So whatever you think you do and have, you think it's going to make you someone, yeah? Our society here is, if you do and have, you can become someone. It forgets that you already are something already, which is spirit. And that can't be done and halved into. You cannot do and have yourself into spirit. It's impossible, because that's your original nature. Your spirit before body. So the body, the spirit, can't be done and halved into. But we try to do and have ourselves into it. And that's why it fails miserably. You can do and have yourself into being a Harley Davidson driver. You buy the leathers and get the bike and get the tattoos and get the mustache like that and start driving around and everything. <laughs> you can become that. Yeah? People will say, hey, there's a Harley Davidson driver. You can become that in this place. But your beingness isn't dismissed by whatever you seem to become. Your inherent beingness doesn't get lost when you become identified as a Harley Davidson driver. That spirit's always in place. You can't erase that. It's the fact, yeah? Your head would love to, but it can't. So, with this, I, with this thing, when th that idea of, that I was the presence, it wasn't an idea, actually. It was a shift of energy, in a sense. That presence, I was that. Then, what happened is, the way I looked at it from here was, I had to do service to sense the availability to feel the presence. Yes? There was no two ways about it. If I wasn't doing service, or if I wasn't doing something that was, like... They say AA approved. If I wasn't doing something that was spiritually Paul approved, you know, my little spiritual Paul up here now, if I wasn't doing anything that was spiritually Paul approved, I didn't get the hit. So this was playing God the whole time. So one time, though, I sensed that I was the presence, which immediately made availability a common state. Yes? It's not something I visit. It's a fact. And then when I, that became a fact... Then the presence became a fact. Yeah? So it's not something I, as this, go visit to get. I am that. I am the presence. So, the, so now the presence is always available and it's of service. That's what presence is. Why? Because it's available and it's present. How can you be present if you're obsessed with the past? 
I mean, it goes against the whole definition of the word. If I'm going to be of service to you, I need to be present with you. If I'm, not, if I'm in the past and the future, it may look like I'm doing service, but there's no presence there. Yeah? I'm not holding the space because I'm not there. I'm holding the space of what's not happening. So now, you're the presence. That, you, that means you're always available, and then you're of service. So now, the little feeling of freedom you thought was based on service, you have access to it all the time now. Yeah. See, the access before was based on what I did or had. Yeah? And this is a crazy God up there. It can tell you to do something and you'll have something. And maybe one time it works, but it always adds on more hoops and more hurdles. Yeah? And sometimes you can do and have the same thing and it doesn't work. It's playing God up there. That little narrative up there in your head, that voice plays God. And it says in our big book, quit playing God. Why? Because it doesn't work. It's the how and why of it, of this whole program is, all right, this is the how and why of it. What? Quit playing God. Why? It doesn't work. Find out what playing God is. Check it out. What's playing God? If you don't know what's playing God, how are you going to to quit? Yeah? You have to be able to recognize it because you may be doing something without knowing you're doing it, which will always allow it con to continue. If you don't know you're doing it, it will probably continue unabated. So this is, all right, it's playing God constantly. It plays God with your spirituality. You are spirit. It makes, it, it makes you think you're this, and it makes a spirituality a goal you may or may not want to go towards. Yeah? And then, you can, and then it tells you when you feel spiritual or not, doesn't it? Who's telling you, you dis, you're disconnected today? Is there a big sign with your name on it? <laughs> Paul, you're disconnected today. You'll be disconnected from 2 to 5 unless you uh, subscribe to that spiritual magazine for the next month. Then you'll be rebooted up there, the connectedness. No. It's your freaking head is telling you. Yes? Your freaking head is telling you, oh, I don't feel sober, and you're sober as hell right now. Have you had a drink? Drink? Of course not. You're sober. But your head's going, I'm not really sober. <laughs> what the hell is that? It's playing God. That's all it does all day. But it doesn't have much power, so it can only play God in your head. Have you ever tried to convince you're playing God on someone else? It's very difficult. Yeah? It's very difficult if you've made up a mythical next Friday where you're going to have cancer yeah, in your playing God realm. And then you try to convince someone else how important it is, what's going to happen to you next Friday. They don't usually get it because they're in like a mythical Tuesday. And they, they're going to get fired on Tuesday. So their mountain seems like a molehill to you, and your mountains seem like a molehill to them. Because there's all these little demigods playing. It's not the same God that's making a mythical Friday for all of us on a Monday night. You're in like two years ago, you're in next week, you're in an hour ago, this and that. So it's very difficult when two of us meet in the mythical what's not happening. <laughs> so it's very frustrating to try to communicate the importance of what's not happening to me. Yeah, I am freaking dead serious. I'm going to have cancer next Friday. <laughs> Oh, all right, Paul. Yeah, okay, sure. Paul, did you call up someone else and run that by? No, I'm serious. My girlfriend I know is going to sleep with my best friend next week, so I'm going to preemptively flip out on them now. I'm going to have a surprise resentment on them. I'm going to show them, motherfuckers. I know what you're thinking. Jeez. 
They're having no clue. They're in three mythical weeks afterwards. You know? So the whole point is, this thing plays God. Quit playing God. How does it play God? Well, actually, the only way it can play God is when it has a very attentive audience, you. It has to play God to someone. It can't play God because it's not God. But it can play God to you. How does it get that permission to run this ongoing farce of a narrative about how life looks like to you? Yeah. How does it have so much power over you? I believe you're identified as it. I'm serious. If you, if someone comes to me and gives me their playing God, I have incredible wisdom about their playing God. I said, man, you're playing God, bro. You've got to knock that off. Run this idea by your sponsor. Do this and do that. And I'll be like Solomon. I can say, yes, I can see everything that's wrong with this whole thing. But I'll have the exact same, exact same, exact same thoughts, and it will be an incredibly wonderful idea in my head. <laughs> why, why is it that I, have, I can have a fearless and thorough inventory of you very easily? Yeah? I can see you in five minutes. I've done a fearless and thorough inventory of you. I know exactly what you are like and what you've done or haven't done, how it's affected me and how, you know, and your role in it. Yeah, it's totally not mine, your role in it. But you can't do a fearless and thorough inventory of yourself. Why is that? You take an inventory in one minute of somebody, and yet you've been confused about you for 40 years. It's my body. One minute you can size someone up. Hey, you but, uh, all you got to do is scan this room. Scan this room. I've done 50 inventories in like five seconds. Back again. And sure, right. yeah, I'm sure about that. But then here, I'm confused. What's going on? Yeah, what's the difference? Simply this. The thoughts that are going on in his head, you realize they're not yours. So you have an immunity to them. When you have an immunity to thought, you have wisdom about them. You can see false evidence as false evidence. When the same thoughts are held as yours or about you, that evidence becomes false. That false evidence appears real to you. It's called F-E-A-R-N-A. They say fear, false evidence appearing real. So the false evidence is being presented in the head, and the, cru the crux of the whole matter is right there because it's false evidence. It can only appear real to you when you allow that God to play God to you. That's what it does. You believe it. Yeah? You think, yeah, that could be true. As soon as you do that, it now appears real and it manifests out here. And you're the central character in that manifestation. So like you say, you have trouble with your girlfriend, then you have a little thought about, hey, I think I should ask her where she was last night, and then a week later you're up on stalking charges. Yeah? <laughs> Things go. Things happen, yes? Big manifestations happen, and it's almost as if you are now manifested into a world of flypaper. Now you're getting stuck. Now you have bureaucracy. Now you've got to go to court every other fucking week. Now you've got to see a probation officer. Now you're looking at two to five. Yes? All the girls in AA have now sussed you out. He's a 13-stepper. You're all fucked here. You've got no future meeting anybody in this place. All this stuff's happening, yeah? And now you're on fly paper. You'd like to go, get out, but now you see, now you're really stuck. Why? Because it's appearing real to you. And there's different grades of real. Up here is somewhat real. Out here, it seems more real to you, especially as a body. Once you get, as a body, stuck on that flypaper, you may never get off. You may be stuck. 
If you had five extra thoughts in one given situation in life and followed them, you'd be maybe up for 30 years in prison. That one night when I got really mad at that dude, if I would have, and I had a gun, and I said, I should shoot that motherfucker. And if I had no immunity to that, and I shot him, that would have created a destiny of, in this life out here. I'd be in jail for the next 25 years. Now, if I had immunity to those thoughts, they went by there. I realized there was, I saw that evidence as insanely false. I didn't reach for that gun, then it would have just been a blip, and it would have been unnoticed the next day. I would have forgotten all about it. Now I've got it almost like a tattoo of it for the next 25 years, that one event. One, it was held with immunity. The other, I was identified as. It does it all day. It does it all freaking day. And where is the immunity? To me, the immunity is when I can start seeing those thoughts in my head as not mine. When I can start seeing the thoughts in my head as not mine. When I can start seeing the thoughts in my head as not mine. And we have given, we have been given such an advantage in AA. Because we have, all of us, have been taken over by a very, very well-defined thought interpretive system called extreme self-centeredness. It's a subdivision of the basic self-centeredness most people are in, but we have an extreme self-centeredness called alcoholism. And it has it creates the basic attributes of self-centeredness, and it creates it in high death, in a way. If you're somewhat awake, you can actually see self. You can see the production of selfing because of how crazy it is in us. Yeah? With that, that advantage... You can obviously, if you go to an AA meeting and you listen to people share, I don't know about you, but I didn't know it, but when I sat in my first AA meetings, I was incredibly terminally unique case. I, had, I totally believed that no one had the thoughts I had, no one ever felt like I felt, and definitely no one did the heinous things that I had done. There's no way. That was, the, the case up there was airtight. I was convicted. The judge was me, the jury was me, the convict was me, the defending attorney was me, and the prosecutor was me. All up there going on in this little court of selfing. I was condemned. Yes? No, no, there was no probation, no fucking way out. So I'm sitting there and here, and I'm listening, and just listen. People share their thoughts, right? At AA meetings, and feelings, and reactions to life. And what happens? Most of us have an experience when we listen to them called, we identify. Now, a normal person comes in here, and they hear some of our stories, and they're aghast. They just cannot fucking believe you're sharing that in front of people. Yeah? I won't even share this with my, my wife or husband. And you're just blabbering out here? They're just, oh, I just can't, I can't believe that. But we're all laughing about it. Why is that? Because we're identified. Because we have been taken over by the same system of thought, and interpretation called extreme self-centeredness. They have it. It's as simple as that. So we identify with the problem. And obviously, who we are are different than what we seem to be. Because who we are, we don't mix, like it says in AA. Who we are wouldn't mix. But when we identify with what we'd be taken over, then we mix. Yeah? The thing that brings us together is the problem with the hopes that it will lead us to the true solution which is, you are not what's being expressed through you right now. We call ourselves an alcoholic because you want to deny that, but to me, that's not the end of it. 
I, I identify as an alcoholic, and then I realize I am not that. Yes? That this apparatus has been taken over, and it's been used to express a very, very crude tunnel vision, mind, thought, and interpretive system called self-centeredness. It is petty, vindictive, very nasty when it doesn't get what it wants, and it's got a very, it doesn't see much of what's going on. It only sees how everything pertains to it. Yes? It's an insane little system. And I've been corralled by it, seemingly, because I've been identified as it. Because I could never entertain, I could be free of it, because I believed I was it. So the best thing I could do was try to get out of it by getting loaded, <coughs> try to get some relief from it by getting loaded. Then when I got sober, maybe I have to get therapy to make it a little more social so I don't flip out and kill people or whatever, and maybe I can go bowling and have some fun like normal people do. You know, get a picket fence, go back to school, don't kill the dog I get or whatever, all like this. And well, and that will be damn successful compared to the way it was. But in fact, there's a freedom available here. Not just getting better, you know, not having the cell, like, uh, upsized, you know, instead of a 4 by 6 now you have a 10 by 12 and you get a few hours on the grounds, you know. But you can actually become like a free-range alcoholic. You can be set free. <laughs> set free. Seriously, set free. Yeah? Set free. But not as a self. The self will never be free because it's not, it can't be free. It's the antithesis of freedom. It's bondage. That's why it says, please relieve me of the bondage to self. Bondage to self. It's sort of like, this is something, and let's say I'm bonded to it. There's got to be a gluing agent, because I am not the wall. Yeah? This is a different material than even this, right? We'd all agree with that. So for me to be bonded to this wall, there'd have to be a bonding agent. Because if I go like this, I'm not bonded to it. It says, please relieve us of the bondage to self. So let's say this wall is self. It's not a self anyway, it's selfing. So this wall would be self, and I'm bonded to it. How am I bonded to it? I'm kind of saying we're bonded to it because we're identified as the freaking wall. Yeah? So I gotta act I gotta get wall therapy. Yes, you know what I mean? I gotta go to wall workshops. How to live as a better wall in, in this life you know? Fucking, I, all I want to be is a ceiling, but you're a wall. Fuck, I'll never be a ceiling. I'm a wall. I hate all ceilings because of that. Especially ones with skylight. I can't stand that light. So what's bonding me to this wall? That's what I'm saying. The bonding agent is the thoughts that are happening daily in your head. Because they're held in two different ways. Maybe there are more ways, but the two ways I've seen is you hold all the thoughts, all of them, all the thoughts that go through that are noticed or unnoticed, you hold them as you're the thinker of them. You're the thinker of these thoughts, or they're about you. Those are the bonding agents. So now the thought that doesn't have any bonding agent, when it's seen as my thought, it bonds you. Yes? It bonds you to the information of that thought. That information now pertains to you. It actually is you for all intents and purposes. All you are is a thought, really, the idea of being Paul. So here I am, bonded now to the thoughts because they're my thoughts. I have total immunity if they were someone else's thoughts. But as soon as the same thought is seen as mine, I'm bonded. Your head is seeing all the thoughts all day because you're conscious, yeah? 
So let's say if I was looking at a window and a, word, a bird went by, a word actually too, a bird went by, I would see the bird because my eye, I am conscious, yeah? I have the ability to see, and if something goes by the window and I'm looking that way, I see it. Well, that's how I, my experience of thoughts are. You see them. You're conscious, yeah? You're not here, but you think you're seeing them here. You're conscious, and you see thoughts. You see them arise, and then they're there, and then if you hold them as mine or about me, you open them up, and they spring out information, which actually spawns more thoughts, yeah? And now you're in this, like, shitstorm of thoughts, <laughs> and your attention gets... Uh, Addicted to them. You can't seem to break your attention away from them, even if you want to. That's the, that's the bondage to it, yeah? As soon as you're bonded to the thought, with the my of it, you're going to be bonded to the information it brings up. And that creates a sense of being you. Yeah? And then that you becomes how you live that day. You keep traveling as that you you're not. And that's what makes your life seem so heavy, if it's seeming heavy. That's why the basic atmosphere we breathe in this state is fear and anxiety. Not fear, because fear is a valid emotion, but anxiety. Yes? And we're apt to have resentments like that because we feel like we're always under a threat. You're always feeling as if you're not going to get what you want or you're going to lose what you have. Yeah? And these things, every one of those feelings is reinforced by old ideas and beliefs that verify why you should have that feeling. Because you suck, Paul. You should never have anything good in your life. So, of course, you're not expecting anything good. It's actually looked as a... As, when something good appears, it's a threat more than a cop ready to hit you over the head with. That you can t handle. But unconditional love, you'll fucking flip out. <laughs> if someone was unconditionally loving to you, you'd probably flip out. Because your head would just be going off like a popcorn maker. I, I'm, I'm terrible. I can't, I, I can't be loved. I'm really bad. So for all you want, your whole life is looking for something that you don't believe you can enjoy. Oh, it's fucking crazy. It has you so many ways. Yeah? That's what creates all the drama. You want something that you believe you can't have. And this head wants to be right, big time. Big, big time. So you may have a long time yearning and longing and wanting for something. And if it ever, by any happenstance, actually appears in front of you, you'll flip out. You'll fucking kill it as soon as you possibly can. You'll strangle it to death. You, don't, you only want it by not wanting it. You can't have it. But you get off on wanting it. So it's an empty way of living, man. Shit. You know, you pine away for a, a love of your life, and when they show up, you flip out. Yeah? You have to find some fault in them or you and get rid of them as soon as possible so you can keep on pining away. You always like to hope that someday it will be, it'll be better, but not entertain it's okay now. Entertaining it's okay now is scary as hell for the head. It's very easily able to entertain it sucks now and that it will get better. It lives on hope. It's, it's living on incessant hope that somehow something will come into my life and make everything that's so bad okay. And yet when the Savior shows up, you'll kill her or him. I don't mean maybe physically, but you'll kill them in a lot of ways. It's, you believe, what the point it's presenting to you isn't its point. Its point is to keep on keeping on, seeking and seeking and seeking and reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing and sensing itself as special, as special, as special, as special. And it can be special in a cell as it can be in a, a mansion. It doesn't care how it looks. It just wants all of the obsessiveness to be about it. Yeah. So, 
I found, when I started to entertain this, one of the first things was when the thoughts were seen as alcoholic thoughts, I started having imme- immediately a large amount of relief to the thoughts in my head. I can't seem to turn the channel, and I'm awake, so I'm going to see the thoughts. But there's a difference in, like, hearing something and listening to something. Yeah? You may have to hear the thoughts, but the listening to them is different. That's when there's a belief in it, that they're about you or you're the thinker of them. You start listening to them. You start listening to them. I'm hearing them now, but I don't listen to them. So if you don't listen to them, they don't define you. And if you're not defined, then you're free. You're in the moment, and that's it. You're not defined as Paul in the moment. You're just in the moment. And then it's almost seamless. Watch the moment and watch you. gets very blurry. Because there really isn't a you that's in the moment. There's just a moment, and it seems like there's a you appearing in it. To you, anyway. <laughs> so now, you're awake, yeah? You're in that present tense of being conscious. And to me, what God is, or I call the higher power, is it's a present tense verb. It's awareness. And I'm that also, yeah? So if that's the case, then my higher power is always available at all times with no requirement necessary. So my head can't play God with my access to the power. I don't have, like, last, yesterday we had a meeting, and they were talking about it, where people were talking about admitting, it, admitting to your innermost self. So let's just use this as your innermost core. And then they were yapping about how, you know, they don't think this, they don't think that, think that. But, you see, the admittance to your inner core doesn't mean you have to convince this outer self thing. Yeah? It doesn't matter if this says, oh, I'm going to drink. If the core knows better, it's done deal. This is where the commitment is. This is where the convincing is. You're never going to convince this. This is never going to believe with certainty. It can't entertain options if it believed with certainty. It wants to entertain options. It doesn't want it just to be this way. But if you admit to your innermost self, I don't believe there's a self, but into your innermost, that place, when that has that yes, that's it. The convincing is done. Now, this convincing leads you to have an immunity to that. And the immunity is, you're not busily trying to convince that anymore. You're not entering into the debate room. You're not going to try to win over the committee. I, I could give a shit what it says up there. Because when it goes, oh, I really need to have a drink, I'm not identified as that I. I don't care how many verdicts it passes on that I, I'm never convicted anymore. It's a fucking paper court. Nothing's happening. 20 year sentences, 40. Oh, this is going to happen. Throw this down there. Fuck it. You're free. You know? After a while, and then it gets really scared because when, if you don't, when you stop reacting in anxiety, Oh, it gets, oh, now it brings out the impending doom. That giant foot in the sky. It's been hovering over your whole life. Now, if you dare, dare enjoy this freedom, you're going to get squished later. How dare you ask for what you want and expect it to happen. Oh! Okay, let me get small again. Yes, yes, master. Yes, master. I'll, I'll act like I'm not sober. All these 20 years I'm sober. Yes, okay, okay. No, fucking be brazen about it. Ask for 
what you want, and you'll see if you really want it. You may not even want it. What a great relief. What a great relief to give up all these ideas of what you wanted when you realize you don't want it. It was one of the biggest hits I ever had. I was in a bathtub. I was sitting for my friend, and I'm taking this bath, and I go, Jesus, I don't want what I want. It was what a relief. That whole, my whole life was based on all these wants. It was constantly proclaiming, usually things I didn't have, obviously, and what I'll never get, you know, all these wants, and it just hit me all a second. I don't want what I want. I was freed like that, instantaneously. Then you're, you're open to see what gets delivered. You don't have a prejudgment, oh, I don't want that, I, I, that's not the package I was expecting it in. No, send that back. You know? That's playing God. Now you're open, your eyes are open, you're not looking for any way it should be, so you see it in all of its, all of its disguises, yes? You recognize the Master coming in your life at all times, and you just let it in and say, no, 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 no. It doesn't look like it should come this way. Isn't that playing God? Yeah. So let's say you're sitting here, you're dying for some, just some love, let's say. Yeah? Sit in this room and there's all these people are pouring love out. But you want it from a five foot ten blonde, let's say, or something like that. So immediately, with that idea in place, you deny all of that love coming your way. And then your story is about, oh, I've never been loved by a ten foot Five foot ten. Oh, I've never been loved in my life. Yes, never. Yes, you have plenty of times, but not by the five foot ten blonde you were hoping to be loved by. Maybe if she's five nine and a half, that doesn't count. Five ten has to be that way. I know the only way love's going to come to my life is in that package. Is that playing God or what? So what you actually do, what you actually live in, is waiting for that delivery that's never going to be signed for. Because you'll always find something wrong with it. Always, 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 always. Because you're scared shit of having what you want. Because the, the dance would be over. If you, if you had what you wanted, you'd see that you don't even want it. Yeah? And then your whole life would unwind. And this whole idea of wanting to be free, most people don't want to be free. It's a big story. They want to want to be free. But when they're put on the dime, they don't want to be free. It's too freaking scary. To, to the head, to the head, it's not scary at all. To be free is the easiest thing in the world. To the head, it's scary as hell. Because the head says you're going to lose something. Are you that funny as you are now? You're afraid you're going to lose your sense of humor? You're not that funny. You know? You're afraid you're going to... What are you... Really, what are you afraid you're going to lose? Your, your sense of knowing misery? Is that, is that comforting? You know? I am so good at wanting what I don't have. I mean, I'm great at it. Let me just keep up at that. Let me keep wanting what I don't have. I'll never get... All right, sure. That's what you want. It's safe there. Because you never put on a dime. Yeah? When that thing you wanted showed up, you'd really... You'd probably take a shit in your pants. What? What? Jesus Christ, my whole life has been based on hoping it would happen. I didn't say I wanted it to happen. I wanted it to hope to happen. <laughs> this is really immediate, babe. I'm serious. If you want it, then it's available. Do the steps. Get all the shit that's out of the, you know, in the way, supposedly. Get it removed. And let's say if all, this, all these furniture was removed out of this room, you'd sense the presence of the room. So when you get all your little ideas and all your, like it says, unless you let go of all your old ideas, the results will be nil. That was, that's the moving job, yeah? 
just surrender, surrender. Let some space get opened up, and then you'll sense a presence in it. Yeah? And then your life gets based from there, and you move from the presence, instead of trying to get presence by an absence, you realize that you are the presence. What you were calling present is absent. You have to be thought into reality. It's not a reality. You have to be thought into appearance. If you didn't have any thought, you'd have no idea what the fuck you are. Because you can't have an idea of what we are. It's a spirit. It's a living verb. You, there's no point where it stops where you can know it. Yeah. There's no point where it stops and you can get a real solid picture of it. It's constantly being, 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 being. Yeah. It's not a divine being as if being's a noun. It's a verb. You can't stop and get it. You can't say, okay, being is stopped, and all right, now I know what being is. It's this. No, that's not it. That's conceptual. That's what the mind wants. It wants to know what it is, and by wanting to know what it is, you miss it. Because you can't know what it is. You're being moved by it this very second. You're the flow of it. looking for it. I can't find it in itself. Where is it? See it, see it, see it, see it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Any questions tonight? <laughs> yes. Um, where is like the accountability and the responsibility in it? In the moment. When you need to be accountable, you will be. You'll be more responsible than you ever think you would. By not being responsible, you're the most accountable ever. See, this is one of the paradoxes the head can't handle. The head in split head cannot believe what it would be like. So it tries to think about it from the third dimension, and you cannot capture what the fourth dimension is like with third dimensional thinking. This is a typical question I always get. Well, because you have a sense that if I was free, you wouldn't be responsible or accountable. See, that's the total bullshit of this head. Totally. It's like... The only way you can know something is by thinking about it. And the thinking is a system that's very small and defined. It's very third dimensional. You know, in AA we talk about the fourth dimension as a spiritual realm, third dimensional as self-centeredness, basically. You cannot capture the movements and the activities and what would happen living from the fourth dimension by third dimensional thinking. It's freaking impossible. So it's a total paradox. If I'm not responsible, then how would I ever be accountable? See what happens. That's the way. So a lot of people always try to give me hypothetical questions. They go, well, if you were married and this and that and this and that, what would you do if your partner wasn't awake? And I said, I don't know. I'm not married right now. I'd have to be in the moment to see what happens. There's no formula. You can't go, oh, this is how it is. That's the point. There is no way you can capture how it is. No freaking way. So I found the incredible paradox. Most of my life, I actually believed I was extremely responsible. I thought I was making you feel terrible. If someone yawned in a room, it had to be about me. I was extremely responsible. My mental solution was to be irresponsible. Yeah. Then I came in AA, and I had to be responsible again to be accountable. But there was still I wasn't truly fearless and thorough around it until I realized I was truly not responsible for what I did when I was under the influence of alcoholism. That's when I started making beautiful amends because I'd run into someone and I owed them money, and I'd say to them honestly, you know, if I wasn't in AA, you wouldn't be seeing this money. 
Because what I did to you, I would have done to anyone unless you could have physically stopped me. That's the way it was out there. So I was totally accountable when I realized I wasn't responsible. If you read the first step, what does it say? You were powerless. So if you're powerless over alcohol, yes, and it made your life unmanageable, the unmanageability would be the shit that happened when you were under the influence of alcohol. So let's say you were dancing with a gorilla. Basically, the way they view it is you'd stop when the gorilla stops. Yeah? You don't have any say over when the dance is going to end. So your powerlessness over it, and then in that powerless state, alcoholism used you to express itself through and, did, and threw a lot of shit around. Yeah? And then you're left to be accountable. Yes? But yet, most of us still don't see that those were self-expressions, and now we're just loaded up with guilt and shame about what we thought we did. Yet, you don't see what the first step says. You were powerless over it. You didn't do any of that stuff. Why are you claiming, why are you claiming the residue or the product of selfing is yours? That's because you identified as it. And that generates all the guilt and shame that you have about its behavior. That's not freedom. Part of the freedom is you realize it isn't you, and then without you being the doer of it, there's no branch guilt and shame can rest on. It's all based on you being the doer of those actions. If you realize you were truly powerless, and alcoholism was expressing itself through me, you're off the hook. The guilt and shame disappears. What's good is it to be sober and laden with guilt and shame every day you're sober? Because you're still in the, in the true dilemma of the problem, which is you're identified, so you're calling self's expressions in your life yours to this day. You're guilty about what self drove you to do, seemingly, when you had been possessed. You're still guilty about it today. It happened 30 years ago. You're still mining that dead plant, harvesting guilt and shame. That's selfing. That's how selfing keeps you bound to it. You call everything you've ever done under its influence yours. Fuck. It's a huge mess, man. It's like every dog goes by, you think it's yours, so you clean up it when it takes a shit. <laughs> You'll be busy as hell. <laughs> a lot of dogs around here. This is about seeing something. You see something, and I don't know how it will manifest for you. I don't know how it will do. And so, you know, to answer a hypothetical thing, I don't know how to do it, because it's just a living thing. But it doesn't make sense to my head. I would think that, hey, if I didn't have done anything, then I'd never have to uh, make amends. But I actually made the most thorough amends when I realized I wasn't the doer of it. Who knew? I don't know how it works, but that's what happened. I think freedom likes to beget freedom, yeah? Once you get a taste of freedom, you're going to do what's going to free you. More, because it's a damn nice way to go. I'm serious. It's nice to walk in a room and not have, not have one thought about, did anyone see me walk in the room? Are my pants too short? How's my hair tonight? <laughs> have you done anything at all in the last 20 years without thinking about it? What a great experience when most of your day is done without thinking about it. It's fucking fantastic. To me, it's called traveling light. Yeah? You're walking around, yes. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, all right, That's the difference between traveling heavy and traveling light. When you walk in the room, you walk in the room. Yes? Well, I'll get her first, then you, all right? Yep. Oh, you were talking about uh, recognizing alcoholic thoughts. Yes. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, so all my thoughts are alcoholic. Yeah. 
There you go. You just recognize it. All they're, well, they're all alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah, hold on, yes. Hey, Benny. First of all, you know, I like to, uh, with full respect that you have a lot of criticism, you know, um, that discourages people also, you know, most people make some leave and believe that, you know. I don't think I have that much power, bro. Yeah. No. I don't think I can make you Am I putting your eyes down? Yeah, you put me down. Well, why are you saying I'm putting people's eyes well, down? Other people are affected by it too. It's like a disease that goes around. How do you know? We're all alcoholics. Well, how do you know that? Because I know you, a lot of people. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. All right, all right. I'm, so, I'm okay. That's my way of seeing it too. You know? I don't. Also, you have that right. Yes. Yeah. I'll be mad enough to tell you that I got a problem. Okay, I got a problem. But I can't say that I haven't changed 85% of, my, of the way I am. Oh, used to be. I am. I'm a different person. I'm, I'm, I'm who I am now. I may still have the same problem, but I'm going to get over that problem, you know. But I am a different person. I am the person that I was supposed to be, you know. And no man grows up fully. You stay as a kid, too. you got a kid in you. I mean, you're not going to go all the way. I'm learning how to walk out here, you know. I'm learning how to talk to people, communicate with people. Now, you take that away from a person by discouraging them. Some people go right back in their shell, you know, and you know, and never, never change, you know. It's going to be harder for them to change next time, and the next time. But me, it doesn't bother me. It's not bothering me what you're saying. You make sense, and I respect that for you. I respect you, and I respect what you're saying, you know. But instead of criticizing, you want to encourage, you know, a little bit more encouragement mixed with it. You know, hey, give some encouragement, hey, man, you're going to be all right, man. We're going to help you. We're going to do this for you. Don't, don't worry, you know? Yes. Okay? Thank you. you know, um, but if it's bothering you, know, if it's bothering you, then no, you no, just... No, it's not bothering me. No. I just said it does not bother me. It does bother me if at first I left. Yes. I was thinking about not coming back. Right? Yes. But I was hungry. I don't want to eat a whole horse or a little cow. Yeah. Only down the street. I said, no, I'm going to go down this way to the left marine. You know? So why did you come back for? Uh, I'm interested in that. Because of change, man, before I wasn't feeling guilty about anything, now I feel guilty. No, I mean, why did he come back in here? Because it helps me, man. Ooh, all right, that's good. It helps me. You're helping me. So a lot of people helping me. By being kind to you, being, being compassionate, man. Compassion does a lot. I show compassion to other people. I give my last order to people on the streets. I give my yeah, uh, to them. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You want to listen, but that's all right. No, no, no. We need to end okay. soon. I think yeah, someone else wants to end soon. The thing is, what I'm trying to say is, point across is, you can't take nobody's happiness from them, and you can't impose your misery upon them. Up to you. No, I'm not saying nothing. I'm not putting you down. I'm not putting you down. Like some people impose their misery upon them. No, 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 no. no. Like All right. Some people can do that. Some yes. people do that. Yes. And that's cruel. 
Okay, okay. If you want to continue with me and you, we can talk afterwards. No, seriously. You know, I think I want to be your sponsor now. I got, I got some suggestion for you. We appreciate it. We appreciate it. You'll be walking on water. You didn't disappoint me. I was watching you. I knew something was cooking. You didn't disappoint me. You actually surpassed my expectations. That was good. We have one more minute. Any other questions? Short one. Uh, Paul, yes. the vehicles you talk, um, you talk about immunity from self, the vehicle I like of my choosing from immunity from self would be surrender. Well, yeah, that's a good start. So surrender the idea that you're the thinker of the thoughts. How's that? Right, Try not, that one. That I'm not God. Yeah, well, just see, just see how you travel when a, my thought, which is you'd be the thinker of it, just becomes a thought. Maybe you'll travel lighter with that, yeah? If you do, you recognize the principle that the selfing is really based on claiming and owning and being the proprietor of. So my thoughts, my fears, my worries, my body, my time. And that's what creates all that difference between an experience and an experience of an interpretation. Okay. Yeah. Knowing that fact, yeah. uh, I'm going to instead of stop, stop searching, I'm going to start expressing and I'll, I don't know what vehicles I'm going to use for that. Yeah, you'll they see. Have this, they have a pure inner being sense. Being. Check it out, man. Check it out. It's not, it doesn't have any form. It doesn't look a certain way. It just got, it shows up and what happens. Just like this meeting. I never know what's going to happen in this meeting. <laughs> I can sense it. No, I can sense it usually. And then I can sense a little something going on. So, but it's, it's good. It stirs everything up. It's fun in a way. I mean, seriously, in a way. As long as, you know, an hour maybe not, but it's good for a So, <laughs> what, another time, yes. Actually, we're, we're moving this meeting across town. <laughs> no, no, no. It'll be here. It'll be here at eight thirty Monday. Here. No, no, no. Eight thirty here. So, what? All right. So we'll end with a serenity prayer, right? Yeah.